Giles Gross, Chief Operating Officer of Angling Care. Uh, delighted to be welcoming, welcoming you to this Leadership Insights episode for the Care Leaders Network podcast. Great to have you here today. Thanks so much, Simon, for having me. So uh, we've been, been looking forward to having this conversation for a little while. Um, you, you, you and I met uh, at one of the care events last year. And um, uh, I remember uh, I, I mentioned this in my, in my post, kind of letting people know that we'd be recording this, uh, this episode. But your, your enthusiasm when we met was, uh, was really, really infectious. Uh, and you're very, very passionate about kind of innovation and technology within the, uh, within the care sector. So I've been, been looking forward to this conversation for, uh, for a little while. Obviously, the subject matter for today is, uh, is leadership, but I think that technology and innovation are are particularly and more more and more so in today's kind of uh, in today's world that we live in at the moment. It's becoming a really really key part of uh, the way that people people lead. So yeah, very much looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, as am I. And even in those conferences, you can see that technology innovation they're getting their own theatres now. Um, uh, people are talking about it much more. It's becoming more and more integral. Um, even the uh, even the targets, uh, Sajid Javid coming out and saying 80% of care providers uh, to become digitalized by 2024. I think it's just an important thing on the agenda at the moment. Um, and we'll, we'll speak about it later, I'm sure, but good leaders need to be have their um, eye on the ball, I think, when it comes to that. Mm -hmm. Without a shadow of a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt. Well, without further ado, let's get stuck into the, uh, into the question. So Charles, in your mind, do you, do you believe that leaders are born or are they made? Yeah, I, I think that um, leaders are made, um, and I think that's because um, you draw on your own life experiences. Um, there's not one moment that you're born, you, you can't be a leader in isolation. And to say that um, a leader is born uh, would mean that if they were isolated in a room and no one was around them, they'd still be a leader. And in reality, it's, it's people... Um, it's the projects you're working on, um, it's where you're able to have touch points within your own life um, that you're able to draw upon as a leader. Um, leaders, you can often see, or, or I do when I, I see strong leaders, and I, I think that they've always been that way. And wow, they seem so confident, they have so much conviction. And I think that's a false you know, perception almost, and that you have to take a step back and say, um, you may be an aspiring leader and you, and you want to get there, um, but there is incremental steps that, that you have to take in them experiences. Them increments are your own sort of experiences. And um, I, I'd like to touch on a book that I read. Um, I, I read a lot in terms of um, both business, but also other, other books and, and range by David Epstein. Um, it's a fantastic book. I'd suggest it to absolutely anyone. Um, and he talks about, uh, the differences between uh, Tiger Woods and Roger Federer in, in this one chapter. And we, we've all heard the story of, of Tiger Woods and his dad um, pushing him, or even the Williams film. I mean, that came out recently. I'm, I'm not sure if you've seen it, but it, it's the same thing again. Um, and they seemingly have been born with this incredible talent. And uh, Tiger Woods, for example, has become the, the best uh, in golf or, or potentially one of the best sportsmen ever um, in the way that he dominated for so many years. Um, and, and then Roger Federer, on the other hand, um, his mum was a, a tennis teacher and uh, she, she would never coach her own son because she'd, he hit the ball in such a strange way that I'd, I'd, I'd never get on with it and I'd, I'd be forcing him 
um, to do something um, and it just didn't work out. So he tried swimming, et cetera, et cetera, loads of other sports. And it wasn't until his early 20s, which is extremely late if you compare that to Tiger Woods swinging a club at the age of three, um, that he then came back to tennis um, and used his unique perception, um, his unique perspective to um, really have some analogous thinking. Um, and, and that, I believe, can sort of make someone um, a better leader. So they're both made, but through different pathways. But in each pathway, um, yeah, for me, that they're made. And in each pathway, they need perseverance. So, um, yeah, I, I think the key there is you, you just, uh, you need to embrace them experiences that you have along the way and the challenges. So for you, it's about the kind of the accumulation of the the, the lived experiences. Yeah, no, that's an uh, 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 interesting point and kind of well made as uh, as well. So, and obviously these questions are somewhat interlinking. But do you believe that uh, leadership is an art or a science? And why would you hold? Why do you hold the perception that you have? Yeah, um, I think I have a bit of a predisposition to science I mean I studied economics which is social science and I think I have more of an analytical brain um, and I can't even um, draw a stick man so I don't think artistic way of doing things is, is really my way so I have to lean to the science and say that it's a science because um, even when uh, something might come across as artistic or or creative and a lot of things are um, especially when it comes to leadership um, if we talk about charismatic leaders who have long speeches and, and they're able to get an audience together and, and really uh, get across their view in a really succinct way, a really powerful way. And you can, there's many examples of leaders who have done that over time. And some people say, you know, that's an artistic way um, of doing it. And I think the artistic way, because it's kind of in, intangible, uh, science obviously follows a pattern. You can see, okay, I've improved over time due to X, Y, Z. Um, with the artistic side, I suppose that goes to, as you say, it does link to the born, um, because if you're born a certain way, that almost gives this intangible sort of artistry about the way that you do things. And that's just sort of your character. Um, but once again, I, I think it's more of a science because I think things can be improved. Uh, I wouldn't like as a leader or any person to think that, um, you know, I had an artistic way and and that was almost that can be developed on, but if something can be developed, then then in my eyes, it's more scientific and and good communicators um, are able to improve their own um, leadership and good leaders are able to improve their own leadership through things such as uh, emotional intelligence, which once again may be seen artistic in the way that you communicate, but in reality, um, uh, an, another book that I, I read, which was emotional intelligence, why it matters more than IQ, um, and it was actually a better predictor of uh, annual salary they did a, a study in the US and it was a better predictor uh, than uh, IQ um, and I think if we treat some of these more um, these uh, and there's been a lot more focus on emotional intelligence and the way that we communicate and, and empathy is obviously a, a, a big um, quality within care and, and something as a care leader I, I think you really need to um, uh, you really need to embrace and, and work on that um, and I think that um, when you have that uh, emotional intelligence, or when you look at leadership as a science, um, there's a lot of potential to then think, okay, how do I have that growth mindset? How do I develop on it? Um, and I think that's really important.
Nice, thank you. And what would you say the difference is between management and leadership? Yeah, yeah. I think um, it's it's interesting because I don't believe that management and leadership are mutually exclusive. Um, you, you can be a good manager um, and you can be a good leader. Often good managers are good leaders. Um, so and, and good managers, I think leadership can be seen as the accolade. You know, you're, you're a leader within your organisation, but uh, you need leaders across the spectrum. I mean, you lead leaders in individual roles. Um, I, I would say sort of the difference uh, between them would be um, as a leader, you need to be committed to innovation, for example, um, as we touched on just before. Um, I know that if I were in a team, um, and the leader the, uh, or the uh, executive level person um, wasn't aware of some of the new technologies, new processes, um, I, I would think that um, they, they need to be in order to make everyone's job easier. Um, I, I definitely feel that uh, through new technologies, um, leaders are able to then make uh, their product better, make the outcomes in a, in a care delivery perspective better. Um, and also add, as a leader, uh, you need to have that clear vision. So um, a leader is to almost give the tools to the manager uh, to then make their job easier and be an effective manager. So uh, leadership is about having that clear vision, um, commitment to um, innovation. Um, and uh, I'll just touch on just another book, because as you can tell, it's, it's sort of important, I think, that you get reference points um, and to have uh, to ingest information. And, and I suppose we'll speak about that as leaders, how, how you have to take on new information and, and show that you can be flexible and um, adaptable as well. And uh, a book that I read, The E-Myth, uh, I remember going to a marketing conference and uh, this this guy had this book. He brought a book out. I thought, oh, interesting. Um, definitely uh, have a look at that. And he had all these annotations and post-it notes sticking out of it. And it was I, I couldn't believe it. And I, I said, I said well, you know, what is this? We're at a marketing conference, and it was the entrepreneurial myth um, by uh, Michael Gerber. And it was nothing seemingly to do with the marketing. But he said, there's so many lessons within this book. You just have to read it. So. I went back, uh, went back home and I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll buy it. And, and what he does, which is really interesting, I think it dovetails into this whole difference between management and leadership is he splits what an entrepreneur is into three different sections. So you need to have a technician. I mean, in the example of this book, he uses a bakery, a woman starting a bakery. Um, so you need to know how to bake a cake. So within care, you know, you need to know how to deliver care. Um, you need to know how to manage people. So you have the technician, the manager, and, and that's extremely important. And then the entrepreneur. Um, and if I just make a, sort of a, a segue back to the question of management and leadership, I think it's the entrepreneurial side um, to take calculated risks, um, uh, the, back to the innovation, but the, to take the different variables within a business and, and then show conviction um, in your decision. And I think sometimes you can, um, as leaders, uh, we can wait for all of the information. Um, I think uh, we can want to always make the right decision. Um, but I don't think that's really possible uh, always. So you just have to take in, 
the information that you have and, and make sort of conviction within that. So um, I think that difference is it's, it's providing managers, leaders provide managers with, with the tools so that they can have a more effective job, an easier job. Got you. Perfect. Thank you for explaining that. Um, so at what point would you say somebody becomes a leader? Um, I think that's interesting because uh, I think what your podcast does is so well in highlighting so many leaders. And I'm, I'm not sure how many of them would say um, they're a leader in their own right. Uh, I mean, some will and, and definitely uh, well, um, definitely should be doing that because of sort of their life experiences, their successes, 100%. Um, I find that it's a strange thing to say that, you know, I, I've become a leader, anyone's become a leader. I think it's really a litmus test is what does your team think? You know, what do the people around you think? And um, often, I think the, the way that you can understand that is the way that they're uh, doing in their own role. You know, are they happy within their own role? Um, are they getting the most out of it? I think when you allow, as a leader, people to make their own decisions, um, to have that initiative, you know, empower them to then um, drive improvements. I mean, one of the big things that, that I think about and, and, and speak a lot about is welcoming criticism. It, it, we've got to want to know where we're going wrong. Um, and I think good leaders, um, at the point in which you allow people to suggest improvements and you take that on board, um, and I think that that really shows a, a good level of leadership um, where you, you can actually al allow that and, and, and use that to drive your decisions. Um, and I think leaders uh, need, cannot be just leaders exclusively in their um, professional capacity. I think also in their personal capacity, um, they need to show leadership. And I, I think this is a common thread uh, amongst leaders is that you can, you can tell that they've got a strong sense of, of who they are um, and, and where they want to go. And, and that's both in their personal life and, and in their professional life. And it's, and it's crucial that um, you do understand those things. Um, and I don't think anyone thinks that they're at the finish line when it comes to um, being a leader. So uh, I don't think you, you ever hit a, a mark and go, you know what, this is, I'm a leader. I'm going to give my, my job title of leader. I don't think that not, that doesn't happen. It's about just taking those incremental steps once again um, and, and realizing there's always room for improvement, whether that's in your own leadership style, whether that's in your own business, whether that's in your own life, um, where you want to drive improvements, you know, lead um, people around you to, to want to do more, um, give them the scope to do more um, and then empower those decisions. And just like in the previous um, answers you know, about making mistakes and, and making decisions and not having all the information, once again, um, you've got to allow that benchmark to happen to the team. You know, they're, they're also going to be making mistakes. There's also going to be improvements, but it's about you know, being the first person to say, that's okay, I've been there. Okay, how do we now resolve it? Definitely. What 
common misconceptions do people often have about leaders and about leadership? Yeah, I, I think leadership is quite um, a sort of powerful, a loaded word in, in a sense. You say you are a leader, it's almost there's a lot of responsibility that comes uh, with that. Um, and sometimes that in itself can be mismanaged. Um, and there's a, a misperception that maybe when someone becomes a leader, um, they do have a lot of sway or they do have um, quite a lot of uh, almost authority in, in the way that they speak or the decisions that they make. And, and that's exactly why they're put in that position. Um, but I would say that you have to be, as a leader, you do have to be humble um, and in, ensure that just because maybe you have um, it is your responsibility to make those bigger decisions um, that you're doing that with the people who are affected by that in mind constantly and you can't sway around doing something for your own uh, benefit or um, something that's not got either within the care perspective, you know, the people that you're caring for, um, the managers who would be delivering it, or the care team members who um, will also be delivering the care. And, and they're, the, you know, the most important people and, and often the most affected by um, some of the decisions that are made. Um, and I think you sometimes that we have, um, sometimes people have misconceptions about, leaders um, having the ability to enforce strict policies and procedures and you have to do it like this and you know uh, uh, and, and being flexible um, but I think it's more important that you are extremely flexible um, and, and you understand the reasons behind your decisions so from a leader they often have a different vantage point um, because they they have a lot more for example within a business they have a, a lot more um, exposure to the different parts of the business. So uh, they're obviously taking um, decisions based on all of those different parts. But uh, sometimes when then the people who are affected by those decisions don't maybe understand exactly why, that's, why that decision has been made, it's then incumbent on a leader to say, okay, instead of saying this is the, the way and that's because we've, we've done that, um, how can I now clearly communicate um, exactly why I've taken that decision and what information I've used to take that decision um, and having that open discussion and having a culture of that open discussion. Um, and I, I think that's extremely important and taking things by a case by case basis. Um, I, I think especially when you look at the care industry and it's very labor intensive, there's a lot of people, um, you, you have to understand that or at least I try to understand that you've got to create that personable environment where you can actually make decisions on a case by case basis within the framework of whatever policies and procedures you have. Um, and I, I think leadership also can be sort of taught and mentored and developed over time. And people, when they understand more and more why you've made these decisions, um, they then have a wider perception um, and then they can understand that and then them in themselves make decisions based on that understanding. And, and then that's, I believe, how they become leaders as well over time. Great, thank you. And what would you say the difference is between a good leader and a great leader? 
Yeah, I, I, um, I think good leaders um, often um, are fantastic, incredible at following a blueprint, seeing where other great leaders have gone before them um, and drawn on those experiences, but drawn on those people. Um, I think within anyone's life, um, whether it's the personal or professional capacity, uh, you have certain people in your life that you draw experiences from, you draw qualities from, uh, you see the way that they do things. Um, and I think good leaders are able to absorb all of that um, and then effectively communicate that. Um, so all of the things that we've spoken about before, I think, I think really makes someone a good leader. Um, and I think those things can be developed um, over time. I, I would say where that then changes to a great leader, um, where great leaders across history, but also just within uh, business, for example, uh, you'll see that they'll completely go off the status quo. Um, and they'll, they'll find a new angle, a, a new solution um, that just, just wasn't there before. Um, and I, I feel great leaders are able to see things in a different way. Um, they're, they're good leaders where, as I say, they have that blueprint. Great leaders are able to, um, once again, back to sort of analogous thinking, um, take different solutions from uh, different situations that seemingly don't really have um, much to do uh, with, with the initial problem that they're trying to solve. Um, and I think it's personal responsibility is, is a really important thing for great leaders, is they're able to take charge of, of their own decisions um, and, and set an example of that uh, for the team. Um, because there, there will be times where, as I said, the decisions are made or um, that personal responsibility is, is extremely important because um, people need to make so many decisions, especially within a care setting. I mean, the amount of decisions just within a half an hour care visit um, uh, that happens um, for someone to take that responsibility and, and take into consideration sort of the, um, the, the person that they're caring for. Um, I think great leaders there can, can show, uh, can, can be within, as I say, all spectrums within a business. Um, and that's because they take that personal responsibility. You know, I am going to do uh, this because it's in the best interest of the person that I'm caring for. Or a great leader would say, I'm doing this, I mean, on a much more macro scale, you know, a prime minister or something. I, I'm taking this personal responsibility of this decision because I believe that's the direction that we need to go in. So whether it's the micro decisions or, or the bigger decisions, um, I think both um, it's so essential that, that leaders really take that um, responsibility and take that um, uh, and take the slack. I, I think you've got to take a lot of slack with those decisions. Uh, I think you make a decision and uh, I think rightfully, people's first thing is to question, you know, is that, is that the right thing? Is that the right, is that the right thing? And, and you can be hesitant. I think everyone is hesitant when, when they make certain decisions. And I think it's right because if not, you know, you're completely blinded and you're not taking into consideration any new information. So, um, but going back to, 
you know, having that uh, commitment to um, your vision and, and then taking responsibility within that really makes you sort of a great leader. Fantastic. Thank you. What would you say the top three most important characteristics are for leaders? Um, I would say, first of all, is, is grit. Um, it's not one that uh, I don't think you hear much about, but it's so important because uh, it's inevitable no matter what you what you do no matter what project you start or, or what company or um what personal health goal you have um there's going to be days where you wake up and you don't want to go to the gym you know that's the last thing you want to do you, you've just had a long day at work or, or something and and you don't and it's about both from sort of a motivational perspective um saying oh, you know, i can do this and and almost training yourself to to um really enjoy the challenge enjoy the harder times because you know that um you're looking to get this goal this vision um later down the line and it's it's not something with grit it's not something that it's day in um uh, one day you do it, it it's day in day out it's over weeks months and years um and uh it's following through on the commitments um as well that you have and i think the second um uh, important characteristic I, I would say is having that clear vision i've mentioned it a few times but um having a vision that people can coalesce around and that you can have a, a way to then execute that i think then drives people's own motivation so going back to their own psychology your team psychology it drives that um and having a vision often puts everyone out of your comfort zone i mean a good vision isn't let's stay where we are for the next X amount of years, it's let, let's see where we're going. So you've got to be out of your comfort zone. Um, and I think that's so important because um, you can then really achieve something that you possibly didn't think was possible before. Um, and I would say lastly as well, you have to have uh, humility. Um, I think there's one phrase that the loudest person in the room speaks the least. And uh, I think good leaders have that humility of knowing when to talk and when to, um, um, uh, when to, to say uh, their opinion and when to give that over or when to allow people to take ownership of, of their decisions and you empower them and, and, and don't always have to chime in with your own way of doing things because there, there is multiple ways to get to uh, one particular goal and uh, I, I think that's important um, throughout uh, different parts of the business because you can't micromanage decisions. So you, you need to trust in your team. I think trust is important, but having that humility to then be able to, to trust people. Three great, great choices there. I, uh, <clears throat> I, uh, I like all of them. So, uh, so thank you for that. So um, we've, we've kind of touched upon this a little bit with some of the things that we've talked about before, but how would you say that leadership is evolving over time? Yeah, I, I think uh, over time, um, leadership will, will continue to involve, uh, evolve. And I, I think the most important factor um, is, is really access to information. It might, I think good leaders um, need to be able to process information, but there's obviously um, so much information um, that you can. So whether it's on a particular uh, subject, I mean, even if you look over time, um, uh, there was another book that uh, zero marginal cost and it and it talked about how um 
initially uh, it was spoken word and then we went to the printing press and the 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 web um then and you think each time how much more people are gaining information and how much cheaper that's becoming and then you come to social media as well and now it's pretty much zero cost to get any information anyone can become an expert um in in any field that previously you would have had to had a, a degree or devoted your whole life to get that experience so i think that's really interesting i think leaders need to be on top of uh the new information but be able to um be able to sieve or, or whittle down the most important information um or the most important sort of new innovations technology a new way of doing things and i I think when you talk about new way of doing things, um, I think the pandemic has been a lesson for a lot of leaders where just a, a great example of that, I think, is um, the work life balance. And we talk of and hear of the great resignation um, and the need to be more flexible with the workforce. And uh, and I, I think hybrid working, if you think hybrid working, if you said a few years ago that working from home and two days, three days a week would be something that would be permanent. I mean, I think some people still uh, are getting used to the fact that this now pretty much is permanent for quite a significant portion as to what was previously. Um, and it's incumbent on leaders again to take in that information. That, okay, uh, this is what sort of the priorities are of, of the team. Um, and sometimes the priorities are spending more time at home, having a bit more flexibility uh, within their working environment and taking on that. I think there was another example of uh, Microsoft um, going down to a four day working week in Japan and sort of the benefits there. And um, I thought that was really interesting as well. And it's about hearing of these things and, and, and seeing, you know, could this be applicable? Um, yeah. Great stuff, thank you. Um, so what would you say are the biggest challenges that you faced as a leader uh, and what have you learned as a consequence? Yeah, there's been a quite a few um, challenges, as you can imagine. Um, but I think that um, the pandemic was one of them. Um, but I, I think the pandemic with the team that we had, um, with the dedication commitment shown by all the team, I, you know, they definitely um, overcome that challenge. And I think I owe a lot to the team uh, that that was the case. But personally, um, I think my biggest challenge is um, back in 2019, I went to a, a conference. I won't say the provider because we, we, we now don't use them. And uh, there's some choice words about their vision. Um, and I, I went to this conference of uh, the software provider we were uh, using at the time. Um, and I thought, oh, this is going to be really exciting. Uh, we're going to see their roadmap for the future. Um, and they're going to make a transition um, into having loads more features. And that's going to drive efficiency within the business. Um, and, and I got there and, and their big two-year plan was to add an iOS app as well as their Android app. Um, and I think it was at that moment that I stopped and thought, okay, uh, I, I come personally from a background of... Uh, finance um, and economics and where there's so everyone's so technologically adept and and it's used so fundamentally within the business that I, I then go and think wow it's ios is the next two years and i came straight back to the um business and i was i was uh, speaking about the conference and and said look we we need to change um and i demoed i believe it was around 14 different 
some were in their beta version, some were startups, some were, you know, fully fledged uh, software providers. And, th and then we picked one. Um, and uh, then it was about convincing the team of this decision, uh, you know, in 2019, let's, let's all transfer. Um, let's, let's embrace that this is the new, if we believe that in five, year five years time, we're going to make this transition, you know, let's make it now because these are going to make improvements now. This is going to make your life easier now. Um, and it's, it's difficult um, to, to sort of uh, com convince or, or at least explain why that overhaul is necessary. Um, but it's definitely my biggest challenge because the transition, um, the way that you, you have to, I had to communicate that it was necessary, just then rewriting um, how we do things for the better. Well, it's, it's definitely been evident. It's been for the better. Um, and I think now, as, as we say, that that's where the, the whole care market's going and, and rightfully so, because I think there's so many improvements that can come from that. Um, but definitely convincing, you know, addressing people's concerns um, and, and really um, overcoming um, the difficulty. Um, but, but then because you knew it, it was something that, that would be beneficial. Now the team, you know, can't wait for for what the new um, bit of technology or the new way of doing things. And I think that's an important culture as well, is, is to be fine with change and, and to embrace it. Definitely can't argue with that. Um, which leaders inspire you the most personally? Yeah, um, I. there are obviously uh, quite loads of uh, leaders that uh, people could draw upon uh, for, different, uh, for different points and different perspectives and I think um, I mean just within care for example I think Professor Martin Green at every conference I I go to I think he's absolutely fantastic in the way that he um, communicates the needs of the social care sector um, I, I think he's really important I think in a, on a personal level though uh, my granddad was um, uh, a businessman himself um, he, he, he developed um, a good business but I, it wasn't really that that I really draw upon or get inspiration from um, it was knowing him so closely it was the good habits he had day in day out just whether that be exercising um, whether that be I mean fasted um, on three days a week um, which I think is uh, not many people would have the that self um, would be able to control them so that self-control to be, even be able to do something like that or showing up to work exactly at the same time leaving exactly at the same time and having that routine and i think good habits are so important um having that routine is so important um and he really uh, displayed that rigorously um and and yeah that was a big inspiration but i would say one of the people that um i keep track of um and, and, and love reading about is, is Elon Musk. I think the way that he just pinpoints a, a problem um, and then just has no hesitation in building something to solve it. I, 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 I can't think of anyone else that thinks, okay, in the future, um, we're gonna need a lot more electricity. We're gonna need a lot more renewable energy. So I'm gonna uh, be involved in Solar City. I'm then we need electric vehicles. So I'm, I'm gonna go into uh, Tesla. We, we need tunnels in LA uh, because per mile that's cheaper than uh, the railway that they were trying to build. Let's do the boring company. Uh, we need Starlink satellites, internet connections. So let's do that. Um, 
Neuralink, we need to be somehow intertwined with technology. So he has that. Someone who can be so uh, well-versed in all of these different things um, and seemingly trying to solve that problem um, is absolutely, um, absolutely incredible. And, and I think the way that this uh, manifests itself is that Tesla, up until recently, I don't know if this is still the case, but especially up until very recently, uh, they didn't have a marketing uh, department. They didn't do any marketing. You'd see many other car makers constantly with them, TV ads and things like that. And it's just in being, having a Tesla, it, it says so much about you, uh, sustainability, you know, caring about the environment. Um, and to think that that all comes across without any adverts. Um, and it's really through his leadership through his personality that people buy into sort of that vision. Um, so I, th I think he's a really important person um, in terms of, um, well, a lot of different problems that we face. Um, and it's, it's really interesting to keep up to date with sort of what's his next uh, challenge that he's looking to overcome. Three great leaders right there. I think that's fair to say. I must say, particularly impressed with the three-day fast. Um, I, I fast for 18 hours a day, uh, every day. Um, yeah, I tend to get pretty hungry after uh, after lunch, so that's pretty impressive within of itself. So, um, Charles, what would you say that the best piece of leadership advice is that you've ever been given? I think um, this is a, a bit of an oxymoron in a way, because... Um, the most important bit of advice I got was to not take advice from people who haven't done it themselves. And I think that was um, always taken with a pinch of salt. It wasn't meant completely literally because once again, you have to have the humility to be able to take on advice. Um, but I think what that says is, uh, or the, at least the way that I perceive it is if you're taking advice from loads of different people around you, um, some people may say that this is never gonna work. Um, for X, Y, Z reasons, um, or, or, or someone else may say, oh, go on, do it, do it, do it. But they don't really know what it takes to do it. Uh, they really don't know what it takes to get that over the line. So I think, you know, it's about taking on that advice, but then realizing that each individual person has, you know, their unique experience, you know, has a unique view, um, has a unique capability, has a unique grit, drive, humility, whatever it may be with those qualities. Um, and that you're probably best placed to know that, you know, whether you you, you feel that that's sort of the right uh, pursuit that, that you want to take. So um, it's about being um, resilient and, and true to, to what your vision is. And I, I think taking on or taking too much heed to sometimes, because as I say, there's going to be loads of people on both sides of it. Um, and, and I think, you yeah, you have to um, know where you want to go and then be welcoming to any advice, but you know, not change your course unless, unless something um, really changes your mind about something. Nice, yeah, I hear you. Okie doke, last question. So you're standing uh, at a lectern in front of a room of aspiring leaders and you've got one minute to inspire them. What do you say? I would first of all say, uh, you are where you're supposed to be. And I think that phrase allows people to have some comfort and patience in where they are at the moment. And you don't always have to be the high flying person now or succeeding like this person. And you don't always have to look around you at what people are doing. You know, you are where you're supposed to be. 
Um, and that is part of your own journey. And as long as you're focused on, um, there, there's a quality, uh, there's an economics term called match quality. And it's where um, what someone does and, and who they are should combine in, in a way. Um, and you can always try and find that, but there's loads of different ways to get there. Um, one person might be a candidate for a role and they've been doing that role for five years or someone's had five different jobs and it gives them a unique perspective for that uh, particular role. So there is no right way. Um, and, and you just need to realize that um, you can get there uh, taking a different path. Nice. Nice. I think that's a great way to, uh, to wrap things up. And there were really, really well considered questions as well. So Charles, it's been an absolute pleasure having the conversation with you today. Uh, really, really insightful in so many different ways. Uh, it was a pleasure having you on this Leadership Insights podcast. And uh, hopefully this is the uh, first of many uh, 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 podcasts and uh, different discussions that we'll have over the, uh, over the year. So yeah, really great to have you on board. Yeah, thanks so much, Simon, for having me.